0: Welcome to, Welcome to Scary, scary Stories, stories. The, channel, the, channel the channel that tells, tells you scary, scary stories. stories. Tomboy versus Dogman, as told to Peter Bernard, read by Madeline Starr. When I was a girl, I was what we used to call a tomboy. I don't know what the politically correct term would be for that now. There were only two other kids my age in my neighborhood and they were both boys, so they were who I hung with. I learned to keep up with them, but I always felt like I was definitely the low man on the totem pole in both of their eyes. One time the three of us were together exploring the woods when I saw an incredibly large, saber-toothed dog watching us from the bushes. "'I whispered to the guys three times that we had to get out of there "'and that a dog or coyote or something was hunting us. "'And they just laughed me off each time because I was a girl. "'I could have just run off and left them, but I didn't. "'Then they both saw the huge dog themselves, and do you know what they did? "'They ran off and left me. "'We each ran in different directions. "'I don't think the dog followed any of us, fortunately.' So, yeah, when you're a kid and you see a saber-toothed giant dog, you don't tell your parents about it. Doesn't everybody see giant wolf things with foot-long teeth? In spite of feeling a bit unappreciated, I was a pretty happy kid until my parents managed to pull the entire town and much of that part of our state into the argument that eventually led to their divorce. It was the late 1990s, Remembered now mostly for grunge, rap, and Bill Clinton. But for a lot of people my age, it also meant our schools suddenly forcing us to wear uniforms. It was a movement that swept the nation at the time. The narrative was something like kids are knifing each other to steal designer shoes. We'll stop school violence if we institute a strict uniform policy. My mother took this message to heart and formed an advocacy group. To get school uniforms in our part of the state. My father was horrified by my mother's stance because he was an old hippie and didn't want to see his perfect and saintly genius daughter, that's me, being forced to wear a uniform like a prison inmate. The battle raged on for a couple of years, but mom's side won. By that point, I was in high school, so I didn't think it would affect me. I was wrong. When they first instituted the uniform policy, it went from kindergarten to senior year in high school. Only two years later, they cut it back to end in middle school. And they liberalized the uniform choices and made them more casual. They soon adapted to comfortable pullover tops and gave multiple choices for pants, shorts, or skorts. But back in that first semester, the uniform policy was like something designed by the evil principal Togar from Rock and Roll High School boys had to wear ties, and girls had to wear these dark skirts and light socks. My mother laughed like an evil villain defeating Batman the first time she saw me in my uniform, coming down to breakfast. My father and I both felt humiliated and defeated, but he was taking it worse than I was. I was mostly curious to see what my two friends would look like in ties. I walked to the school bus stop on the corner and met my friends, who were early, as usual, horsing around with each other, When they saw me, their jaws dropped, and they started acting all weird. I thought they were making fun of me, and we all rode to school together, hardly saying a word to each other. I felt like they didn't like me anymore, and so I was surprised to see them waiting for me after school in our usual spot. I was even more surprised when they apologized for not making better conversation that morning. They no longer seemed at all interested in each other, and now anything I said... Became infinitely fascinating to them for the first time ever. Soon I understood that this was just them suddenly realizing I wasn't one of the boys after all, that I was a girl. I'm honest enough to admit that this filled my heart with glee. Not because I liked either of them back so much, but just because suddenly I went from the least important person in the group to the star. At home, Mom and Dad's fighting grew, and Dad threatened to leave and take me with him to a district with no school uniform policy. At that point, even though I knew I agreed with Dad's opinion on the subject, I somewhat selfishly began siding with Mom. I had status in my tiny peer group, and I wanted to keep it. Mom used her connections, and I even made appearances with her to speak out in favor of the uniform policy. Seeing me on TV campaigning for what he fought so hard against hurt Dad badly. But all I cared about is that seeing me on TV made the boys obey me even more slavishly. I went from having no power to being power-mad overnight. I enjoyed this lifestyle greedily, playing both boys against each other for my own entertainment. Then one day, karma came ready to collect the debt my selfishness had been piling up. We three were in the forest when I had a weird sense of deja vu. I didn't like the feeling. It felt like before the boys adored me, back when I was the third wheel. It went away and came back a few more times, and I began to search our surroundings with my eyes. I saw it. There it was, just like the last time. It was the huge dog in the forest, with the incredibly long teeth. I gasped. Unlike last time, both boys immediately ran to my side, each trying to be more gallant and protective than the other. This time, when I pointed into the woods, they both immediately charged in the direction I pointed, presumably to do battle with the perceived enemy. The more I screamed at them to come back, the more they insisted they had the situation under control, until I could see they were nearly upon the large, vicious-looking beast. I could no longer speak. I couldn't even breathe, horrified at what might happen next. It looked like the boys could not yet, from their vantage point, even see what they were coming up on. Then it stood up. The dog stood up on its hind legs and growled. It stood so high that from my point of view, its head was now behind the leaves of the tree it was standing near. It looked three times bigger than the boys, who now definitely saw it. They both screamed briefly, then slumped forward. Looking like they had fallen asleep. At the time, I thought the dog man had hypnotized them, but I'm pretty sure they just fainted from the shock. The wolf like man walked casually over their unconscious bodies, as though deciding which piece of chicken to have for lunch. I realized I had to act fast, so I gathered up rocks and just started pelting the creature with them. I didn't know how hard I threw back then, but I later had some of my softball pitches clocked at 85 miles per hour. So let's just say I threw hard, and I threw accurately. I coupled the barrage of rocks with shouts of, Bad doggy!" And other things you might say to a misbehaving pet. Laugh if you will, but the 12-foot tall carnivorous monster dog man thing whimpered and yelped like a dog you stepped on the tail (coughs) of. then ran off into the forest, leaving us alone. I hung out, waiting for the boys to wake up. I felt it was time to stop playing them both, stop leading them both on. I decided to leave it to chance, and that whichever of them woke up first would get to be my boyfriend, with the other one staying our best friend. Then, I kicked the better-looking one until he woke up. The end. Check us out on our YouTube channel, Scary Stories NYC. Bigfoot Attacked My Tiny House. Scary Stories by Peter Bernard, Volume 1. Now available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Narrated by P.Q. River and me, Madeline Starr. Forward by TV's famous Timothy Green Beckley better known as Mr. UFO. And if there's anyone out there who can't get enough of PQ River, search in your favorite search engine for PQ River, and you'll find plenty of podcasts, music, and weirdness. Come back, come back, come back, come back for more scary stories.